Are you ready to get peculiar? everyone and welcome back to Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. <laughs> and the friends keep on coming. I am Sabrina Ray. With me is Dawn. And in her Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends debut as our third chair, I'd like to introduce you all to someone you've already met previously. <laughs> Victoria! Hi, I'm really happy to be here. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hey, everyone. <laughs> we're we're still working out the kinks of how to talk and when and why. And <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, but it's been about seven, eight months now. I missed being on this show. I missed talking about anime. I took a very long anime break. I just started getting back into it recently. I was watching, uh, rewatching Nana, which is one that I've never actually seen, though I read the manga. What have you guys been up to? Like, uh, how's your how's your hiatus been? I have been playing Pocky and Rocky Reshrined every day. Pocky and Rocky, do you remember that, Don? No, um, I don't. I. So I, I don't know what that is, but maybe you can tell me, Victoria. I also, I what was I doing? I was playing Elden Ring because that came out and sucked up an obscene amount of my time. Um, also, you reading... betrayed me. You betrayed your clan in Destiny. I, it's true. I did sort of drop off uh, Destiny. I haven't been doing that very much. Um, what else happened? Oh, we, I, I tried to see human people in the flesh. Um, that was, you know, one of the things. How did that to do work this out? How did um, that so work out? So far, it's out? been going pretty good. Uh, but and I've I've seen a number of people. Although now there's a new variant rising, so I figured this is perfect. We're back to back to where we were. Ah, uh, new variant rising. <laughs> what what lovely that sounds like it could words. be an anime all by itself. It does, <laughs> or just like the the subtitle to a fighting game and or anime and or Kingdom Hearts, like. <laughs> COVID versus COVID, new variant rising. Oh my God. Thank you, Victoria. She's, <laughs> you're, you, let's just talk about that. Yes, you playing Pocky and Rocky, which is a co op, uh, sh- like bullet hell shooter type of thing, right? Yeah. But you also <laughs> competed in a virtual on tournament with actual, like, ranked players from Japan, too, right? And all over the world, I guess. It's been three now, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You you made it sound like it, like this was the big one for you. I don't know. Like that's the impression I got from when you oh, were yeah. crowing about it on social medias. Oh yeah, the March the March one is the March one is like the big official one sponsored by Tanita, which is a controller company, I guess, arcade stick company. Um, and that's like yeah, that's the big official one where they even brought in some like local mayor governor don't quote me on that but they were you know one of the spectators and, and i you lost have like, but... you have, <laughs> yeah. and you have like the flight sticks so you're like yeah. you're pretty hardcore into it yeah and and i've been ignoring it the past few weeks but i'll get back to it still got still have a lot to learn 
Very cool. Does sound very cool. It is amazing, actually. Um, and I, I've seen you play. Your, your character is Faye Yen. Am I saying that right? Yeah. I played the pink one that looks like Sailor Moon shoots heart beams. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember if I had a main character in that, but I, I did buy my own fighting stick. And I've been playing uh, Guilty Gear Strive. And I was playing, I was maining um, the the girl with the dolphin. And I bought this like $200, like this $200 like fight stick that's like pretty top of the line. And I, would I, think, hope I've, so. I think I've played it like, I think I've used it like seven times. <laughs> like I, I'm just really bad at fighting games. And I think I only bought it so that I could beat Derek in Tekken. <laughs> has it helped you defeat Derek and Tekken it did it did help me defeat Derek uh because my arms wouldn't get tired but then it turned out that there's a different kind of fatigue you get from using the fight stick so (laughs) (laughs) oh that sounds uh less than ideal look you know you got to build up those those finger calluses you know that's definitely something you could do as a kid but as as we get older I feel like what's happening is you're like degrading the tendons <laughs> uh, well, i mean mine are already pretty degraded so <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> squeezing squeezing that last bit of life from my decrepit body i think that's what we all have in common is that we're very we, we have degraded tendons we could even <laughs> rename the show really <laughs> No longer a show with a focus on anime. We discuss how our bodies are falling apart. (laughs) Oh God, aren't they though? Aren't they? I don't. I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned this previously, but I took acting lessons and I, I put on this like, this bravura performance of my scene study, and I was up on top of this folding table and it just came out from under me and I went smashing to the floor and it. I, I literally like I. I thought I was fine, so I stayed in character. I didn't even I didn't even have a moment where I broke except for my hip. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my character, but I didn't break character. Um, did your yeah. character acknowledge that you had severely hurt, damaged your own hip? My character did not acknowledge that. My character was <laughs> far too far too involved in her plot to undermine the audition of a fellow ingenue. So our audience is changing the channel and it's not even possible (laughs) to do that because people just get this from, I guess, Spotify or wherever and they download it and then they listen to it. So, I mean, they're probably putting on baby shark right now. I mean, we can do that. We could. Baby shark. How do I mute him? (laughs) Baby walrus, really. We've got to keep on theme. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, I, 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 I would love. Can we jump into our 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 topic du jour? We can. This is our seventh series. Congratulations to us. Um, and we had many intermissions between then, so you guys can go back and listen to any of the like 58 shows we did previously. But uh, our new series is Odd Taxi. And this is yet another one that I was turned on to by Victoria because she actually is engaged. <laughs> She's, her, she hasn't had her heart broken by Japan quite the way that I have, where I just turn off all Japanese music and like and TV and everything and just shut it all out. Like, um, but 
she she told me about this one and when i saw it my first thought and maybe you could tell me what you thought dawn just from like an outsider perspective of just like looking at it and starting it up the first time but my first thought was man this doesn't look like the thing that i usually like <laughs> this is <laughs> this is not pretty this is not <laughs> These are not sexy animals. These are like very like uh, rotund, very cartoonish animals. I mean, I guess because I personally am feeling fairly rotund, uh, I, I didn't have immediately a, a dislike the way that you, you seem to. I actually uh, watched the first episode and the thing that came away from me is I originally was like, are these vignettes? Are we, because there are a lot of characters here. Um, and when I watched the first episode, I was thinking like, well, some of these scenes have got to be throwaway. Like we can't, we can't have all these people be uh, people of substance. And the more I'm watching, the more I'm thinking, nope, I'm wrong. Everybody has got a part to play here. There's so many characters. I've got the character wiki open right now in case I, so I don't mess any of them up. I appreciate that because there are a lot of characters. Um, I guess I don't want to just read the wiki to everyone, but basically Odd Taxi is an original Japanese anime series. Um, And it's about a taxi driver who I found very refreshing as a main character. And I was even more shocked to find out that the voice of the taxi driver, and correct me if I'm wrong, Victoria, because I tend to be, but... It's voiced by Natsuki Hanae, who is like the king of the soft boys who voices Tanjiro from Demon Slayer. And he's doing this like pithy, silver-tongued, like sort of dour walrus um, that just, he, he cuts people down very quickly and very entertainingly. Um, I really, what I really like about the series, which is kind of this, it's a mystery, uh, a murder mystery that some people are calling noir. I'm not sure it's exactly that, but it has some of those, like it's, it has definitely has some of those qualities. It feels like it's just as much about sort of a time and a place in a city, you know, like it's the, the city, the, you know, they say the city is the character, the, the third, the, 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 the main the, is another character or something like that. Right. But um, it's like I found the modernity of the story, how it speaks to sort of the times we're living in more than a lot of anime does, and also the uh, the humor to be really the the main attraction of the series for me. Like I still I ne- I got over like feeling like maybe the the style of it wasn't my bag, um, but once I got into the characters and like the, the way that they tell jokes, which is, I mean, these aren't even just voice actors. There's voice actors mixed with actual Japanese comedians who are in different, like combin like um, different comedic duos and comedic trios. And that's the kind of humor they have. It's very whip smart and fast paced. And like um, it's, it's like they're cutting each other off a little bit. And I really liked that. I have gone, off topic though, but it is a murder mystery. A high school girl has gone missing. Uh, maybe she's dead. We don't know. But we did. The series does start with a body. What we think is a body. It would be weird if it wasn't a body, right? 
<laughs> sinking to the bottom of, I assume it's the river, weighted down, weighted down by concrete blocks. Yeah, very awkwardly placed, like all around. <laughs> yeah, that thing is not coming up anytime soon. I, and it's a, it's sort of a disarming scene because that we see the sinking in the water, and then we cut to who I presume is our main character, uh, Odakawa, and then. Like, there's no reference to it. The, the, the only reason we think it's a body is because I think the radio is then just talking about a girl who's missing, if I recall correctly. But then, you know, then we start just, he's driving around, he's listening to the radio, we're seeing people on the sidewalk. I, I actually, I found it quite charming right off the bat. I didn't have any expectations. And I, I, I the, the humor, I don't know if it's humor, but I like the cadence. It feels very grounded very real, like there's a lot of petty corruption, obviously, and right off the bat. Um, these characters seem to inhabit uh, a world that's um, very similar to ours, if not ours. And then also they're at home in their own world. They seem pretty comfortable with themselves uh, moving around Um there is a little sense of fatalism for all the characters, I feel. Um, they're they're funny at they're funny animals too. Um, like <laughs> I, uh, I I wasn't aware of this at the time, but in that first episode, one of the one of the characters is Kabasao, who is a dwarf hippop- hippopotamus. And <laughs> when I found that out, I started laughing out loud. Because I I, um, I didn't uh, recognize um, that as a, I didn't know what creature it was. Also, they're animals. I, I guess I forgot to say that. I don't know what I thought <laughs> Kabasawa was, but dwarf hippopotamus would not be would have crossed my. Uh, it's like a pygmy hippopotamus, right? That that's what it is. Uh, I guess so. I. Uh... You you mentioned this to me in a text message or something, and you were like, I couldn't stop laughing. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you don't find... I Pygmy hippopotamuses, hippopotami, are inherently funny. How is this not funny to you? <laughs> Animal facts. <laughs> uh, uh, Victoria, you were the one who recommended this. So, like, what 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 drew you to it, and what uh, what sort of kept your interest as it, as uh, as you went through the first episode? So, when I when I'm on Discord server, I'm in. A couple of people are watching it, and they were really recommending it. Um, one particular posted a screenshot on Twitter, screenshot on Twitter, saying you know, this was one of the rare anime made for people over forty. And posted the screenshot where they make a reference to Mr. Children, which is like one of the legendary pop band or pop rock bands in Japan. And I am 35 and I'm not a fan of Mr. Children. But I know. am. <laughs> I got the reference immediately and I was like, they made a gift, like Mr. Children's song gift, which is I probably one of their most famous songs because it was used in the Olympics and stuff. But like, it's not it's not the, the reference that you would think you would get from <laughs> It's I have never seen another anime make a Mr. Children joke. It's just not like what's really funny to me about that is that like this show reminded me of when I used to watch Urusei Atsura on um, on VHS and it came with these extensive liner notes that explained every joke and I, I would read them like like they were the Bible 
and like watch the thing and I'd be like, ha ha, that is funny because it told me how it is funny, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so, you know, I, I didn't quite fit either of those demographics, but, you know, close, close enough. You know, I'm older probably than, I'm older than most of the, t- you know, most of the anime targeted teens would be for. And I like a lot of J-pop, especially 90s. So, you know, it, it could be in that this was something something unusual I enjoy. And I did. Like, I really I really like the naturalistic dialogue or the very naturalistic voice acting. You know, a lot of anime have, they, you know, there's, a, there's, very, there's that very dramatic, dramatic, like, yelling kind of voice acting. It's, you know, I, I understand it's based in um, Kabuki, but... It's not always my. It's not always my favorite. It's you know this this felt this felt like real con- this felt like real conversation. The timing was impeccable. You know I love how they, I, lo- I love how there's no, like no gap for them to react. Like one character says something, the next character just immediately cuts in. You know similar to what you were saying more eloquently. <laughs> no, yeah, I I that was one of my favorite parts of this was just some of the layers to the jokes too. Were like, um, there's the part where we were talking about Orokawa and Kabasawa, who's the, the pygmy hippo and he's in the backseat and he wants to, he wants to go viral. So he's like trying to come up with these ways. And like the first thing he thinks of is just to kind of like engage the taxi driver in conversation. And he's like, um, what is it? He asks him, he asks him, uh, what are your, what is something funny that happened to you recently? And like Orokawa says nothing. <laughs> And then he's like, time over, buddy. I loved that. That was that was my favorite line from the first, because it's, I feel like that's me too. And this whole, our current society is moving towards an attention span that's about, you know, 15 seconds long. That's all you get. <laughs> and if you can't deliver in those 15 seconds, the world moves on, which is precisely the world that um, uh, Kabasawa is dealing in, right? Kabasawa is trying to get viral on social media. And if you can't get that attention in five seconds or less, then it's over. Kabasawa is one of my favorites in it. Um, so th- so actually the other thing I really like is that kind of all the characters get drawn into this for these very, like, very, very modern modern reasons. Kabasawa is like one of the worst people you can meet in the internet, the clout chaser. Like he talks about going viral, like it's like losing his virginity. Like, oh, you know, all my friends are doing it. Why haven't I? And he's- <laughs> that is true, but he is sort of an innocent soul at the same time. Like he, there's not he he's not sophisticated. He just wants to go viral. There's no even he just wants to do it. It's not like he has an interior motive. He's not going to like become wealthy or have a social media empire. He's like, I just I want to go viral. Orokawa doesn't say anything for those fifteen seconds. He just kind of stares into nothingness. It's not like he's like, "Well, let me think about that." There's no, there's no pleasantries there to sort of buffer into the waiting period. He's just silent. And then Kawasawa's like, "You didn't say anything." And he's like, "Well, I'm sure you wanted me to, you know, just blurt out whatever I, I was thinking, but I thought of five things that I could say, and I wanted to think of the best thing." Not like you, who would have just blurted it out. And he's like, well, you don't even think about hurting people. And then he's like, well, you just hurt me. (laughs) And I like how the the jokes kind of like come back on themselves a little bit. And they come come back with like teeth, you know? That's that's what I wanted to say about that. Like, And I think that happens again with Shirakawa. 
um, who's one of my favorite characters. There's an alpaca, a girl alpaca named Shirakawa. I actually didn't know she was an alpaca until the joke came out. I was like, is that a sheep? Because she's making a joke about about counting sheep at one point, which I think is after he calls her an alpaca, but I don't remember. Yeah. But um, and then I started doubting myself and I was like, wait, is she a sheep <laughs> or an alpaca? But yeah. I, for some reason, I hadn't really thought about it, but I would have I would have said alpaca over sheep and I don't think I thought immediately because her neck is long. It is. And she does seem sort of more legit. Like, I don't, I don't think we're going to run into a sheep. But if we did, it wouldn't look like that. <laughs> it's I, I'm all messed up. You know, Beastars has so many different um, types of characters and stuff as well. And uh, and they have their own style. And sometimes they look kind of similar. Um, but it's interesting the way they do animals in this show. What did you think about that, um, Victoria, when you saw the animal designs and stuff? I did think it almost kind of reminded me more of an American cartoon in some ways, which actually was, you know, one of the first questions I had of Odd Taxi was that this is really an anime you could recommend to people who don't watch it or don't think they like it. Like it's very, it's very accessible and, you know, in a good way. Um, It's, it's just, there's not, there's not a, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like visual language to learn. Like I think we can kind of intimidate people with the more, you know, when, what people think of when they think of anime, they think of the big eyes, they think of this very, these very dramatic facial expressions and voices. Like first time, you know, the first time I watched Sailor Moon as a kid, when it, when it aired, um, when the deep dub aired, it was like a huge adjustment going from American cartoons, this one where, you know, their eyes would turn into little, like, you know, their eyes would, they would do the thing. They would do that rounded, closed eyes thing. <laughs> you know, no, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> But I agree completely. Like there's aside from an occasional animal joke here or there, like they're all human sized. They don't make a lot of like they don't travel in. It's not like horses gallop and grasshoppers hop. Like they're all sort of walking around like humans. It just happens that they're all animals at the same time. Like you don't see like water creatures living in water or birds flying around in the air that are talking. This is, they're just, they, they're denizens of a, a Tokyo suburb or whatever it might happen to be, who happened to be animal shaped. I actually started recommending it to people who like Bojack Horseman and, um, yeah, I was just great, thinking you, about you, that. Okay. I was going to say, cause I've never actually watched it. Okay. Well, <laughs> it was a really, really dishonest recommendation, but but, you know, I thought it, it, it's just been very, very accessible. It had like these crime drama elements, these snarky conversations, um, as, you know, especially being an adult who's around other adults. I thought Otokawa is very relatable. Like he's, you know, he's an overweight middle-aged walrus um, who has sleeping trouble. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm being walrus. I completely relate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In fact, um, Bojack Horseman has more of those sort of animal type in jokes than I've seen here. Um, I haven't watched the entirety of all the seasons, but that's a that's a pretty good show, and it also deals with those sort of adult level. There's also uh, an absurdity to BoJack Horseman that's not present in Odd Taxi. Um, there, when I say that, yeah. you're saying animal type jokes. I mean literally, like a bird person will come down and steal a snake person. Like, <laughs> like it's like it's like it's very literal. 
and it's very it's very animal based but it's also absurd because they're also like people with personalities and 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 they have responsibilities and homes and things well but yeah and there's also the added complication there that there are regular humans walking around in bojack horseman um so there's a character who is a golden retriever and they do play up the animalistic aspects of um that character quite a bit but uh and not to spoil this for anyone like that character marries a human character um and you know they it's just sort of all a lot of that stuff is very throwaway gags as opposed to central to the characters the way it was in Beastars. but here these are really more human characters than you see in both those other shows you know the first episode um sort of we brushed up against a lot of characters and then the second episode seemed to sort of carry that theme i feel like it's a very slow um boil into the main plot line here this this missing girl um and we do get that i don't remember where it was perhaps it was the beginning of the second episode where otakawa is speaking to his closet and saying you know you can stay here if you want or leave or I, I, and I, to me, it was, although much of this show doesn't, is not portentous. um, It felt a little weird and a little sinister um, because Otakawa is an old man and somewhat taciturn and you just don't, I, I, what is his motivation here? Like, is he being super kind and offering up his home or is he like being, kind but also creepy because if you've got a teenager running away like there are all sorts of thoughts that are still percolating in the back of my mind and i think the show does a good job of like flashing that at you and then otakawa is off on his regular day and and you've got um uh shirakawa who is like i I'm, i'm also really struggling with that like the nature of the relationships feels like it should be more fixed than it is in my own mind like i don't from well, you you mentioned this victoria otakawa is a sort of at best overweight but could be obese middle-aged guy does not drives a taxi for a living fairly taciturn like what would cause shirakawa to be interested in otakawa or it's really it really on in the series I mean, it's good to be asking questions, but but I watched it during the original broadcast, so I will keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I have only watched the first four episodes, yeah. so that's why, um, for me, I have no idea why why that could be. <clears throat> Just based on these first three episodes, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up, which one of them is that um, the fact that he's there that, I'm sorry, the fact that Otakawa is in Goriki's office, the doctor's office, and the doctor is interrogating his friends as to what's wrong with him implies that there might not be something mentally there with Otakawa. So you, I think that throws into doubt anything he does on his own because he's having trouble sleeping. So we don't know if he's talking to himself or if there actually is a person in his closet or something. Or I don't know, but like, so we don't know if he's crazy 
and the the show makes us feel that that's a possibility early on. And the second thing we know is that um, that Shirakawa, for whatever reason, um, took an interest in him. Uh, he seems like he could be charming in his own way. I mean, he's very snide and sarcastic or maybe not sarcastic. That's not the right word, but previously I used pithy uh, to describe him. Yeah. He's incisive and a little bit combative, but there's, there's a soulfulness to him that I think is rather attractive. It's charming. Um, And we don't know. We don't know much about Shirakawa, except that she's not as old as he is. Um, And, she and she took a taxi cab after <laughs> after his appointment she's kind of got some interest in him and as we watch the series we'll get more information on that but yeah i can tell you from my perspective all i know is is she does capoeira total mystery yeah and that makes her the best does. character by default <laughs> But I also think that the that the show shows you know shows that Otakawa is not as hardened and horrible, even that it's like he wants to pre- present himself as. Yeah. Like we have that scene in the second the second episode, he goes to he goes to the sauna with his friend Kakihana, and he's like so respectful of the rules that he calls out Kakihana for taking for taking a photo, even though you know Kakihana says what what there's nobody here, what's the problem? And he says the sign you know the sign says it's prohibited. Like this is somebody who's going to follow the rules even when no one's looking, you know, kind of respect, res- kind of respect the um, social decor, so decorum. Yeah, yeah. I also thought it was possibly just he doesn't want to be photographed, so like because he's. Well, naked. I mean, he's already been photographed, so. <laughs> I mean, I I think Victoria, I like your your. He's like a. I view it sort of on the D and D spectrum of like order to chaos. Oh, good. Like he's a lawful individual, yeah. right? Not that doesn't mean that he's good or bad. It just means he follows the yeah. rules. Let's get on to a different part of the show now. We got different characters to talk about. One of my favorites is the comedic duo who run the ra- who do the radio show. I believe it's. Shiga, Shiba Gaki and Baba, who are mm-hmm. called Homo sapiens. And that's a very typical type of name for like a manzai group in Japan, where one of them is the Tsukomi. That's the one who like kind of like does the Nandene and like, uh, like they're, they're definitely uh, from the Kansai area. So they're not Tokyo people and they, they have a thick accent and they're part of a duo. So one of them is the bokeh or the straight man. Or no, one of them is the bokeh, which is the... Is that the straight man? Is that how that would go? That's the funny, the funny man, man, I think. Those are your the two The funny options. man and the straight man. <laughs> so the funny man is supposed to be Shibagaki and the straight man is supposed to be Baba. Or no. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so... I, they they are an interesting pair because there is so much drama happening from the moment you hear them on the radio. There's this there's this undercurrent of 
animosity brewing between the two of them as they're sort of like stuck in a phase of their career where they can't quite get to television, but they're not quite setting the world of radio on fire either. Um, But if they can just get their big break, if they can just win this like competition called the N1, then maybe they'll like get to that next stage of their career together. But, uh, but this takes an interesting turn when they actually end up in Odakawa's, Odakawa's taxi. And you think that it's setting up that, that Baba is the one who's not trying and he's not, uh, not going to be successful and he should just quit the game and go and be with his girlfriend. And, and then it turns out that he's the one who gets the call up to go on TV because it almost reminded me of when every little thing was popular and the mm. the guitarist was like Yashke, you know, like the, the healing presence, the like the <laughs> boyfriend material or husband material. Oh, I did not know that about him. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was, it was every, every show was like bringing it up and he had that like nice round cherubic face and he had such a pleasant demeanor. I mean, I was only ever watching Mochida, so um, she was the she is the singer. Well, Mochida, Mochida talked like talked like a like a like a punk sometimes. <laughs> like she had a very brash, sort of mannish kind of quality to her, even though she was like a little doll, like visually, and like her mannerisms were very like effeminate and stuff. But like when you saw her live too, she was like, oh. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is that like. Uh, Baba has these qualities that make him inoffensive. And this is sort of like a conversation that suddenly becomes about the nature of comedy itself, which I just think is really cool because it's like Shigabaki, Shibagaki is like, he wants to like push the envelope and like punch it and like really like give people some art and some like some kind of, innovation and take it to the next level volatility and baba is just so inoffensive and so please pleasant uh that even when pushed and that's what happens there is he like just starts shibagaki just starts insulting him and then like (laughs) it pushes him and he like raises the state he raises the volume but like that's not baba so it's like it turns into sort of this Funny joke, I thought. To me, Baba Baba is the epitome, the epitome of half-assing it, um, and of course, sort of admits <laughs> at the same time, like just, just uh, not, not fully engaged. Like, oh yeah, you know, I I do this, but I'm not, I'm not really. It's not my passion. It's not, and yet, you know, sort of, it reminds me of. Keanu Reeves, who, you know, The Matrix was an absolutely enormous movie, um, but there was a lot of discussion about whether he was acting in this movie in a way that was at all meaningful. And I think probably still a fair criticism of him throughout his uh, tenure, even though he's become sort of a, a darling of uh, various people because he's apparently a softy and very nice, etc. But nevertheless, uh, was it that 
his character, like, is he the protagonist that changes over time and actually, like, you know, causes? He's, he's not like, um, who's a person who, oh, man, um, who's the Green Goblin in, like, all the Spider-Man movies? Willem Dafoe. Now, Willem Dafoe, um, if you ask him or tell him to act, you're going to get something out of that guy. And it's going to be incredible. It's like way above what almost anyone else can do. Like they didn't even need special effects in the Spider-Man movies because they were like, Willem, just do that thing with your face and the intensity stuff. And then Willem just like, you know, his eyes start like getting really hard and mean and then massive grin shows up and you're like, Jesus Christ, dude, how do you yeah, do that? Yeah, it was that? almost detrimental well, was, that they put him in this ridiculous yeah. Power Ranger-y helmet. Right, yeah, it, I mean, it, right, you, you're, you're, you're blocking the whole thing that's Willem Dafoe's character. And then, you know, you look at Keanu and it's like Keanu embodies this sort of zen thing but the whole movie like it doesn't really seem to change at all and the movie just sort of orients itself to like well we're supposed to have sort of this like zen um spiritually um enlightened character at the end and that's what you get but you got it the whole way through and i'm being a little unfair to keanu here um although not unfair to willem dafoe and i just feel like this is this is how i think of um <laughs> of baba like baba is just Baba doesn't have a lot going on, and yet stuff just seems to be aligning for Baba. He fits the I mold. Have, I have a more favorable opinion of him, actually. Like, Shimagaki's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just seems like this absolutely, like, you know, insufferable, Im- immune to constructive criticism, like... You know, I, I I would I would absolutely quit if I were Baba. You know, <laughs> but but Baba, you know, he he's he's trying, arguably, but he at least seems like a pleasant person to work with, and he actually listens to their one fan who is you know writes in writes into the program regularly. That's um, Satoshi Nagashima, a high school a high school student who has a lot who has a lot to say. He has a lot of he has a lot of good feedback about why they're not succeeding. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. You want your one single fan to be giving you all sorts of constructive criticism on why um, your your comedy routine is not succeeding. I so I don't think you're wrong, or I don't disagree with you, uh, Victoria. I I do think that uh, I, I don't know if Shibagaki is really being rude, but it's like Shibagaki does. You this is what you were saying, Sabrina has this intensity and wants to do things, and that's just you know, Baba. That's not. Like it's it's like they don't even gel. They're not a good team. It's like that vocalist from Bush. Remember that band Bush? <laughs> like um, he kind of fit the mold for what people wanted, but like, what does he really bring to the whole? Like he's not a Kurt Cobain. They like put him in the Kurt Cobain role, but like you saw like all these bands like meat puppets that Kurt Cobain and Nirvana covered in the nineties. And they like, they had passion and they like, they were, they had skin in the game and like Gavin Rossdale of Bush just shows up and is just like writing the most inane lyrics and, and just giving the barest of, of growls to his crooning performance. And like people were eating it up cause he's handsome and he's, he fits, he fits a certain vibe and if I feel like Baba's just fits this vibe, and like Shibagaki's the one who was toiling in the in the dirt, and he's bitter. He's bitter, that's for sure. And I I do think Victoria's right. He 
he's definitely an asshole. But I don't think Baba's listening to this kid that's giving them advice and saying, hey, we should do this. We should we should change this. This is what we should do. He's just he's just hearing it. Like the only one who's like changing or adapting or pulling in lessons is Shibagaki. It's just that maybe he's not he doesn't have the face and the the temperament that people want. There's got to be a place for that though. I mean, there's certainly assholes in comedy. I mean, there's more than a lot. <laughs> I mean, probably most of them. Yeah, <laughs> most likely. Yeah. I mean, look at the worlds they live in, you know, just going from club to club or like, that's just a very, it's, it's, it, it, you don't, you, you can't be a delicate flower and be in that situation, hanging out at midnight and like pulling people off the street and stuff. It's a very weird environment yeah. Yeah. for sure. But um, I really like their dynamic a lot. And uh We'll talk more about them later, but you know, what did you want to go next? We have the Daimon brothers. We have the band, the, the idol group, Mystery Kiss. I mean, there's, again, we're just, in these first three episodes, I just feel like there's so many characters are skinning the surface of everybody, but I was very interested by um, the, the the singers and what's going on there. Because we see them, I think, we hear them in the first episode, Um and they've got a song on the radio and then we see like some uh, some working like they're um the lead sing singer is uh, meeting fans and we realize like hey maybe the band's not doing so well um and then there's the then last piece is just the two masked singers on the street i don't think i missed anything that we saw in the first three episodes but it's a very curious, like it, if in, it's so weird because I, I still don't, I don't see how this connects to anything yet. It is a very sobering portrayal of what it would be like to be in an idol group trying to claw your way onto the charts, so to speak. Um, way too sobering. <laughs> it's like, I, I think if you showed this to some girl in the sticks and asked her if she wanted to be an idol afterwards, she'd be like, oh, I don't know. It sounds pretty miserable. Um, it also brings us Imai, who's, you know, one of, who's one of the characters who's being brought into this whole conflict. Like I, I tried to, since, since I watched, since when I watched it originally, like I was, I, when I watched it originally, I was really focused on, on the mystery I don't have, you know, I don't have that. I don't have any need for that now because I know the, I know the outcome. So I was kind of taking an approach more. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking of um, Twin Peaks a lot because I was watching that earlier this year. Where, at least until the until the network meddling in season two, it doesn't really matter who killed Laura Palmer. It's just about how this death sets, you know, sets these sets these characters into motion. So I was kind of looking at it like that. Like we, you know, we haven't. We still don't know much yet, but we've got, you know, we, we're getting all these unlikely characters together. One is Imai, who's, you know, fairly a fairly young super fan of this group, Mystery Kiss, and, you know, wants, wants to win the lottery so he can buy tons of their tickets or tons of their CDs and make them make them a chart topper, which, you know, I, I think... Um, I, I relate to that. <laughs> if I won the lottery, I was waiting I for that. I was waiting for yeah. that. <laughs> I definitely, if I won the lottery, it'd be part of me. Like, what if I just bought like, you know, a million CDs of my favorite singer, Coco? Like, you know, 
would that, would that be would that be good use? I think so. But anyway, um, the, I really my they they are probably my second favorite part of these first three episodes. Just just the one interaction that the two of them have outside. Um, I gotta get their names. Do you oh, do you um, remember Victoria? Yeah, it's Shiho and Ichimura and Mitsuya. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I was like going by the first names, but then yeah, I was forget. I was forgetting her last name. Anyway, <laughs> it's Rui Nikaido, Chiho Ichimura, and and Yuki Mitsuya. Yeah. And who Miki Mitsuya? Yuki. Oh, Yuki. Yuki Mitsuya. Um, I really liked the scene where they were outside, um, the Ichimura and Mitsuya, and they had to sell their like goods that weren't that weren't moving because Nikai because because Rui. Because Nikaido is is the star. Plus, she's the only one who doesn't have to wear a mask for reasons that have not become clear yet. Um, just that it was it was a it was what was it the term they used? It was a. It was terms of the, it was the terms of condition for their debut. I really like the scene of them outside. It was really cute, um, where they were sort of comparing their uh, their likes, and uh, one of them was like, oh, "I like to." I like to hang out in the bath. And another one was like, I like karage. Who doesn't like karage, right? Karage, the fried Japanese uh, chicken. Yes. In fact, my son is obsessed with karage and refuses sushi, but we can always get him karage. Wow. (laughs) You're saving a lot of money there. I was going to say, like, it depends. He doesn't eat that much, so it's sort of a waste because, like, you buy him karage, and then he'll eat like three pieces. While as if he would just eat the sushi that we bought, I could give him three pieces of sushi, and I'd be done. So Mel made the leftovers, anyway. <laughs> and then the idols come in again. You know, you don't get a lot from them. You get the sense that like Rui is ambitious and is being held back somewhat by something yep. by. But you don't really get too much on them. But you do find out that Kakihana, the older, much older monkey man, is <laughs> who has changed his profile to seem like he's a wealthy person, uh, has connected with one of them in a romantic way. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. Yeah, I'm... Uh, it's 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 a it, it, t- it comes off a little creepy to me that you know he's he's not even looking for women his age he's like kind of going after these like very young these like fairly young ones and lying on the internet about about himself not catfishing catfishing with pictures but like catfishing with money yeah I mean yeah exactly and also but he the character feels so real like he's. He's sort of a, <laughs> he's, he's like a doofus, but I can totally see in him like any sort of like, yeah, I'm a house cleaner. I'm not doing that well, but I want to like, again, it's sort of like that. It, it reminds me of um, Kabasawa, like wanting that 15 minutes of fame, wanting to be something you're not just to taste it, but you can't, you can't keep that kind of thing. No, you really can't. And I I don't know, there's a sadness about him, like a longing, like he, he definitely, he, he makes it sound like he might've peaked in high school. 
in some ways. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And he kind of wants so, that back. Yeah. Like, like he thinks he deserves it, but he also has self-awareness. I think that he knows that he's not going to get it. And it turns into sort of a delusion as he, as he starts to see this, this cat girl. He's just kind of really given up on himself and is like chasing, chasing his impossible odds rather than, you know, yeah, it's like, like, I'll just cheat my way to the top yeah. instead of, you know, whatever it is. But he also, you know, he also, but he also thinks like he, you know, he's, he's almost like a teenager in that he acts like he's, you know, like he, you know, he understands true love and no one else around him does, even though he's the one who can't get a girlfriend or one of the ones who can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once again, a good reflection of reality. Yeah. I like his relationship with Otakawa, though. Me too. Uh, it it opens up new sort of personality traits in Otakawa that we we hadn't seen before, and uh, and it shows that there's. I like that the show has a lived history before we even join it. Like, it feels like it feels like we just sort of popped into this world, and the world was there before we popped in. So we're just sort of playing catch up with some of these relationships, but it never feels like they're like just dumping exposition on us. Yeah. There's, there's, that's what's refreshing sometimes about doing a series like this is there's no like the dagger of Azambul was used to fight King Cruel on Mount Drago. And... <laughs> Like that kind of stuff just is very organically delivered in the series, which I like about it, you know, and everyone, it's not like we're they're They're like popping in like Kramer, like it's me, the wacky one. True. I, and I also feel like these characters feel so relatable because they're built or feel so real because they're built in such a way that I feel like I'm filling in the details on on um, Kakihana, even though I don't know him that well. Like I can just, I can picture in my mind's eye Kakihana and all his like sort of generic hijinks and his failures and his like just kind of wanting to have a good time-ness of who he is. Yeah, how like lovable was that scene between him and the mama, the kangaroo at the at the restaurant, at the bar? At the drinking hall? I don't know mm-hmm. what to call it. Izakaya. Drinking hall, probably. Yeah, it's probably an izakaya, right? Izakaya, right? Um, how how lovable was that? <laughs> like, where he, he asks her to marry him, and she's like, well, what are your merit? Or like, you don't, you, you don't, you don't really have, you know, uh, what, it takes. Mer- what it takes to, to marry me. Sorry, no offense. Sort of vibe. She like cuts it. She cuts in before he even finishes saying it. It's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The timing is perfect. Yeah. And he's yeah, he's surprised and offended. He's like, "Well, how can you like we haven't even we haven't even debated this yet." And she's like, "Yeah, I, I got your number." He's like, "You know, I promise I won't be offended." And then he gets offended by the very direct response. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great yeah. summation of his character, yeah. too. Yeah, like just really showing showing not telling. We've gone over a lot of things, but now we're just going to talk briefly about the Daimon brothers, which are the two cops, and Dobu, who is sort of our antagonist, it would seem. 
or at least the one that's most clearly an antagonist because he comes into he comes into Orokawa's cab with a gun. <laughs> yeah, can we do uh, him first? Because like Dobu, I, I I thought that scene was amazing. He gets into the cab. He's threatening um, <clears throat> threatening Orokawa, and like the most bizarre sequence of events, like. Otakawa seems to be stringing him along or like gets him talking, flashes the SOS symbol, and then like corrupt petty cops show up and like it it doesn't even work. Like he threatens him with a gun. And it's like, well, I'm not gonna do what you're asking me. You're gonna and then and then and then he's gotta sit there and sort of brainstorm, like, well, if the regular stuff's not gonna work, how about I murder your friends? <laughs> Is that gonna work? Like, what a what a very the, the black humor in that was great, in, in my opinion. Like, the, the sort of... I'm I'm not even sure if I should find it funny, but I did find it very funny. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. I think it's laid back, though, in a way that's kind of... I mean, it, it, it sets you off your center a little bit, how kind of like casual their interactions are. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not as intense. It's not as intense as like... Most shows might take might take might make that scene. It's almost it almost still fits that kind of casual that casual conversational flow, even though it's you know a very different circumstance when you've got from having this enthusiastic idol fan who just really wants to talk about his favorite group, you know, versus the guy gets in and immediately points a gun at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and the Diamond Brothers also establish themselves really quickly. The elder and the younger, uh, the younger is the one with the white glasses. Um, but like they show up to, uh, to what is it they initially do? Is there just running a, uh, a check on vehicles? Is that what that was? Um, I think they were that, looking for the missing girl initially. Is that why they pull him over? I don't remember why they I, did. I think, I think they that, show him the picture. They show him the picture of Dobu. Oh, okay. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Cause they see it online because it's, it's gone viral. Yeah. And that's when Kabasawa was in the in the back of the taxi, right? right? Yeah. And that's our first interaction. And immediately we know a lot about them. We know that one of them seems shadier than the other. <laughs> <laughs> like instantly just has like this darkness that hangs over him, even though they both have the same kind of like sunken eyes because of the way that their fur, I guess, has like coloring across the eyes. The meerkats. Yeah, but like they both look, they both they both have that same look. But one of them, the older brother, looks just shadier and has like a little bit huskier voice. And um, and he when 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 uh, when Otakawa suggests that Dobu is a friend of the elder Daimon brother his brother, his little brother picks up on that cue. But then the older brother immediately cuts it down by saying, you can't trust what taxi drivers say. And there it is. Like in one sentence, we know there's something going on there. Like why would, why would taxi drivers, why would the brother have so much power to make his other brother, to make his younger brother forget like this, this like vital, this vital, like, clue as to what's going on with him like it just seemed like they do so little they do so much with so little and and they establish it so quickly 
like you don't see them more than I don't know, like a handful of times across these three episodes. But in the times that you do see them, it's really strong. It's a really strong impression that you get. Are you are you a fan of the Daimon brothers? Me? Yeah, let's go with you. Um, I think they're good. I think they're good characters. They're not ones I feel particularly strong about either way. Um, well. Well, the little brother's like a little bit of a tag along, even though he's also a cop. <laughs> I, I mean, you kind of got the sense the you know the younger one is he, he seems more serious. He seems more serious about the job, but also less confident, and you know, really it just yeah, really believes what his older brother says. Like you know, older brother says like you know, you know about taxi drivers, and he's like, oh yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. That I makes mean, complete. That makes complete sense. I guess. My Does it? <laughs> I, so remember when you were talking about how Odakawa loves order? Like to me, having cops that are corrupt uh, <clears throat> really bugs me. <laughs> like I don't want my cops to be embracing chaos. Uh, I have a lot more, like they should be enforcing the order, whether or not it's something they agree with, which puts me, I guess, into lawful neutral territory here. Are but. You- are you saying you don't want cops telling you not to go to the cops? <laughs> yeah, I guess that would that would be part of it there. Yeah, it seems pretty obvious that the ship is the or the the model is broken if these cops are like don't you dare go to the cops over this particular issue. Like but you are the what no. Spider-Man pointing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they after Spider-Man pointing I wasn't sure where to go with that. I guess we could sing we are the world. That comes up several times, uh, just randomly. I, I want to know who you guys think the MVP of We Are the World is. I'm at Shirakawa. Is it Bruce Springsteen? No, definitely Cindy. You think it's Cindy Lauper? It's definitely. It's not Michael Jackson? No. He... I like him too, but, you know. Don, no, go no with Cindy. opinion? No opinion on We Are the World? I honestly don't remember it all that well. Was, uh, you can call me out. Was he in that? Paul Simon? Yeah, Paul Simon. Uh, Was he in there? I I don't know. I'm a big fan of Paul Simon. All right. Is this like, this is like going to have to be a poll. Like, who is the, who is the MVP in it? I think we should make this the poll for this episode. Yeah. Let's go over the clues that we got. So missing drugs is a clue. The clinic that Shirakawa works at and that Goriki uh, is the head doctor slash owner of. And who goes missing, if I recall? Uh, there are 6,000 pills that have gone missing, and apparently it's been slowly over time and then suddenly. And so... She- Go Ricky is planning on shutting down the clinic uh, because he he has to deal with that somehow. And it would be worse for him to have to answer to where the pills went. What else did we get? We got uh, Mystery Kiss. They have a shady manager. There is a dash cam footage that we know at least two parties are interested in. We know Dobu. And Daimon Brother are in cahoots, and they have acquired the footage because Dobu 
basically just tells Otakawa that he has it, which means <laughs> that he got it directly from the Elder Daimon. Yeah. And we know that the you mystery kiss... We know that the mystery kiss... Uh, is it Yamamoto, the manager? Yeah. Who, I think he's a dog? I'm I, not quite sure. He's very large. I'm pretty sure he's a fox. Hold on. I'm he on might be a fox. Um, Hold on. I, re- I refuse to be caught wrong in this. I thought <laughs> yeah, he was a Shiba. Fox. I thought he was a Shiba Inu at first, but he has dark brown on his ear tips, so maybe not. It's, re- it's really like, guess the animal. It's like... <laughs> like, yeah. like a pygmy hippo. <laughs> or an alpaca, in my case, which I didn't know until they said it well, actually, um, i was thinking that too actually the pig, pygmy you know the animals they've chosen for them are meaningful too like now now that i know about this pygmy hippo like you know it's like kawasawa is kind of he's he's, he's kind of a, i want to say kind of pathetic like maybe like a runt in a way yeah yeah i see that yeah. you know he's, um, he's someone you would expect to expect to be big intimidating but it's just maybe you know a, a little more a little more pathetic yeah. Other clues. Um, just that. Oh, what I was going to say was that Yamamoto the fox also is interested in this dash cam footage, which I guess the other side of that conversation was the tapir. Yeah, the sauna. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that part, by the way. You know, the it first, great joke. <laughs> first, at first, it's kind of shown from. Um, Kakiana, yeah. Um, it's shown from his point of view. He think he thinks um he thinks Kuroda's talking to him in the in the sauna, and then we see it from the other way. He's like Kuroda is actually on the phone using a using a one a one ear earphone with Dobu. He was on the phone with Dobu. That's also a great vocal performance by Yamaguchi Kape, the voice of Ranma from Ranma One Half. Uh, obviously much older now. <laughs> But uh, he's just, uh, he's very consistently good. And it's nice just to hear him back again. Um, just good voices all around, I think. One of my favorite parts of the show, just the performances. Yep. I, I, I think it's very strong. You watched it in English, right, Don? Does it, is, do you feel like it's, uh, you did not. You watched it in Japanese this time. No, no, I watched it, I watched it in English. Oh, okay. Um, I was watching this up today too, actually. It's, it's really good. Like, I'm not... So I'm not typically a dub watcher, not because I have anything against them. Like, you know, I, I'm so over the sub versus dub war, but you know, it's, it's more, it's more mentally stimulating for me to kind of learn and reinforce some Japanese vocabulary. But, you know, I was really curious how this would be because I wanted to see how they would, how they would adapt the conversational style of English. And it's really, really well done. Um, I think we've come a long way with whole, the whole dub versus sub thing and to act like we haven't is really strange because, I mean, remember remember when they first started adding cosplay to like conventions and like we were like bringing stuff from our kitchen, <laughs> like pots and pans and the Japanese had these amazing costumes and we would look at them with envy and, and now it's indistinguishable. Like we're probably as as good if not better than some of the japanese like hardcore cosplayers out there yeah i mean some the first uh, dub war should have died it should have died it should have died when dual audio dvd became a thing but somehow somehow it's still like you know the more th- the more things change the more they don't what i i i know you know what i realized is 
I was I was usually choosing subtitles, and then I played Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I just I I I, I was listening to the Japanese, and I was like reading it, and it was so like the Japanese is like even the Japanese language that they use in the in their own script, it's so perfunctory, like it's just like ticking boxes sometimes, and the English is so florid and like it's full of like it's full of dry and sarcastic and uh, just warm and funny humor and lots more vocabulary, like just more like it's, it feels more like a, an actual like world where these jokes are existing. Um, and so I, I ended up watching, I ended up listening to the whole game basically in the English version and liking it better than the Japanese, which I felt was just sort of there. Uh, there were times when emotional or whatever, like I, I liked both, but I think that uh, that some of these shows too are that, that way now where I might even prefer the English sometimes, especially when you're trying to do like super fast jokes and stuff. I'm sure if you understand it, like instantly it has a different, it has a different cadence. It's different. Yeah. It's different, man. It's different. But, um, that's all for this week. Um, if unless I missed any of the clues, I mean, we already talked about the the vo- the, the person or thing or figment of his imagination that Otakawa was talking to in his apartment that other people have heard rumors about him talking to. Um, we already discussed the missing drugs and the the dash cam footage. Um, am I missing anything? Is there any bit of this mystery that uh, that I haven't touched on? I think that I think that covers the broad strokes for now. Yeah, it's it's just starting. Yeah, and uh, I do really love the way I, I thought when I first started watching this that it was going to be just like what Dawn said, vignettes. It was going to be like it's going to be a story entirely told through taxicab rides. That's what my expectation was going in, <laughs> and luckily it's not that at all. Um, I I recommend this to everyone who wants something different, uh, who is sick of Zenitsu yelling in their ear (laughs) and crying. (laughs) Oh man, the crying is too much. (laughs) It is too much. And he is one of the coolest characters in that story. It's just that they decided to give him this one character trait. We're talking about Demon Slayer. Don's Don. I guess you watched season two now. I have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's better in season two, <laughs> but still, I mean, that, that is a hokey series. Sometimes their, their jokes are so broad and so over the top silly. It's, yeah, it's such their, a weird... it's their swords that are sharp, not their wits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Odd Taxi is one that you could show to your friend who likes uh, going to, um, like midnight raves. Like I think that this is, this one has a lot of broad appeal. Don't be and, that the first thing that you show to your friend who goes in midnight raves though, because I don't know how that's going to hit either. To see, right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it was a great talking to everybody again. So cool to be back. Um, we will be finishing out this series and then we'll, come back again when we have another series to do and we're already
And that's where we're going to end it. Yeah. We usually end it by all saying at the same time, Okashikoyo. And now you just say it, Victoria, because we blew it. What was it again? Okashikoyo. Okashikoyo. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Got it. You'll get better. Yeah, this no, is your no, first I think it's like, it, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes my listening comprehension is. Um, Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. Ah. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's We should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I, it's a it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyperfixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Oh, that sounds like you just did what I did, but <laughs> you said it in a positive voice. Okay, and along the way, what if we pitched ideas like, I don't know, Epic Rap Battles of Mystery, the Lin-Manuel Miranda podcast? Listen to the podcast minds. There before the grace of pod, go we on your podcatcher of choice on the Moonshot Network. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Every Friday. Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice. Podcast of all time. This is Champs in the Making, a Pokemon bracket podcast where we take every one of these creatures in the Pokemon video game franchise, put them in a bracket together, and find out which one the best one is. Starmie gives me like organic, free range, gluten free, like fidget spinner energy. Swallow can swallow a tire hole in one gulp. Ladybug looks like it is ready to give you so many high fives with each of its little mitten hands. <laughs> I don't like Weird Ear's face. It's got a big testicle for a nose, for sure. I think Nido King's favorite beer is PBR. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Champs in the Making, a Moonshot Network podcast about Pokemon. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or first at patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork.